Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kevin Johnson program where creativity lives in South Florida. This is where I spotlight and profile individuals in arts, culture, and entertainment locally. You can find it on anchor.fm forward slash kevjohnpro. We're also on Facebook and Twitter as well under Kev John Pro. And I'd like to introduce my next guest at this time, and I'm sure that he has uh, some stories in reference to his career. I'd like to welcome Mr. Dan Christopher to my program. Dan has contributed to my variety programs as a magician. Uh, sometimes he has volunteered his time, other time I have compensated him for his time. Not a living wage, but I'm trying. I'm really <laughs> trying. But I figured that I wanted to get your take because the last time we worked together, you gave me a piece of advice that I figured that I wanted to kind of share here. It was basically uh, arranging the order of the program and you were saying not to put the magician first. So can you share a little bit about that? Okay, well, good to be here, first of all, Kevin. Thank you very much. Um, when planning a show, sometimes if you have many acts that are similar, typically musical acts, mm -hmm. to take the variety act or the novelty act and put them before doesn't isn't good show business. It would help to put two or three, uh, two singers, uh, dance act, more musical acts, then bring in the variety act, the novelty, to break up that mm -hmm. situation. Uh, I worked in many Las Vegas production shows over the years, and these are the old traditional shows. They don't really have them too much anymore. Las Vegas is now celebrity residencies and Cirque shows, but right. it used to be the old shows with the showgirl dancers with the marabou feathers and, yeah. and, and all that everyone was familiar with. And what I would do, I would be the what they call the specialty act or the comedy specialty act, and my job in those shows would be basically they would put me in between what would be the first and second act of the show. So the end of the first act would be a usually a high energy song and dance number and the audience would be enthralled with that. And then that would end and the main curtains would shut and I would enter in front of the main curtain working just in front of them on the apron of the stage and do the comedy spot. Now, the idea of this is, first of all, the audience was all geared up uh, from the from the high energy number, so it gave them a chance to relax a bit and laugh and yeah. expel that energy. Right. And at the same time, of course, behind the curtain, they're resetting the stage for the second act, and the dancers are getting a big costume change and smoking a cigarette or whatever it is they do because yeah. they're out there for the next 12 minutes. Right. So the idea is we had, we had song and dance numbers, song and dance numbers, song and dance numbers, comedy act mm -hmm. or novelty act and then back to the song and dance again. Right. So that's another thing that, I, that uh, is interesting to bring up. You say novelty. Does it ever get insulting being called novelty act because of, you know, the, the, the trades that you do? Well, the, the official term, I think, has been changed to specialty act. Okay. Uh, that's what we go by. But, you no, know, it doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. Novelty acts is basically relates to different different acts other than uh, singers and, and dancers, musical okay. acts. Um, it, they would include jugglers, magicians, ventriloquists, acrobats, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the like. Okay. The old Ed Sullivan show. 
Okay. Much. Okay. Do we find that like shows like, say, America's Got Talent, you know, of that ilk, is it bringing that type of uh, showcase back, the vaudeville type, or is it sensationalizing that? Perhaps sensationalizing that. I think America's Got Talent is more reality show than talent show. Right. It seems everybody there has a backstory. Yes. And that's a big part of the show. And I understand TV ratings are important. You have to keep the audience for your show. It has certainly brought back uh, interest in uh, as a ventriloquist, which is what I mostly do. It's brought back quite a bit of interest because three ventriloquists have actually won the top prize in that show. Hmm. I mean, that's incredible. Right. Um, Terry Fader has just done. He's done ten years in Las Vegas. He won. I think it was the second season. Right. And um, uh, done very well. Um, and little Darcy Lynn Farmer, uh, she received the most votes of any act in the entire history of the show. Mm-hmm. It was a huge success. So I think that has brought a lot of interest to what we do. Uh, I think also that many people think, well, you know, that was great. Let's have a ventriloquist at our event. And they're picturing a 13-year-old blonde-haired girl with a cute puppet that sings, and I show up. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is that well, I don't necessarily know. We're pro- probably part of the same generation, but I grew up knowing about Willie Tyler and Lester. Mm-hmm. So to this new generation that is now learning about re- ventriloquism, knowing you know what happened like you know, 30, 40 years ago, that doesn't seem like there's a connection. I mean, you could disagree if you want. Mm, there's been, there was a long gap Yeah, where, where it wasn't, seen quite as much right uh the last i would imagine would be sherry lewis yes lamb chop okay lamb chop of course she's been gone she passed away about 10 years ago Mm -hmm. her daughter actually mallory has continued okay and and does shows with lamb chop but she doesn't have the television show anymore okay so yes there was a gap Mm -hmm. where it was somewhat forgotten okay now speaking about backstories let's start from the beginning um are you a florida native no, I was uh, born and grew up in the Philadelphia area. Okay. And when I was, all right, we'll do the backstory. I started with magic when I was oh, probably about six or seven years old, just by walking into a magic shop. They used to have those. There are not too many of those left, and, mm-hmm. and got some tricks. The big one for me, uh, eight years old, for Christmas that year, I received a Danny O'Day ventriloquist doll. Mm. It was about a 30-inch doll with a stuffed body. They had vinyl head and hands and the mouth open by pulling a string on the back of the neck. And it came, I also got a record album called Instant Ventriloquism by Jimmy Nelson. Now Jimmy Nelson was a a very famous ventriloquist in his time Mm -hmm. starting in the early days of television on Milton Berle and then he did the Nestle's Quick commercials for a 10 year run which I think is some kind of record in the commercial world. Okay. And uh, Jimmy was a ventriloquist, and his dummy was Danny O'Day, and he had a dog, Farfel the Dog, and they did these commercials for 10 years. So Jimmy had this record album, How to Be a Ventriloquist, and it was a very good, very well done. He would actually, you could hear him on the record teaching Danny O'Day, the dummy, how to be a ventriloquist, and I learned along with Danny. Okay. And interestingly enough, every ventriloquist in my age group, and I'm talking about Jeff Dunham, and Terry Fader and, mm-hmm. and Jay Johnson, who used to be on the TV show Soap, uh, we all learned 
the exact same way from that okay. record album. Okay. And I'll tell you a personal uh, uh, highlight for me was two years ago, yeah, about two, two and a half years ago, I did a show, I was closing the show, and sitting in the front row was, at the time, 89-year-old Jimmy Nelson and his wife, Betty. Ah, oh, nice. It's a great highlight. And, of course, I made fun of him. <laughs> which he loved. He loved that. And, sadly, Jimmy just passed away this last September. But it, it was a big thrill for me to be able to do that okay. with him there in the front row. Okay. So you got to meet him afterwards? And... I actually knew him prior to that. Okay. I, I've known him for some time. But this okay. is the first time he'd ever seen me work. Okay. All right. And he said, I did good. Good. <laughs> so that, good. That, that made it for me. So what made you decide to migrate south from Philadelphia? Well, um, well, let me backtrack here because I did. I started doing shows when I was 11 years old. Okay. That's when I got my first business cards. Okay. I was a pro. Dan the Wonder Man. And I did children's parties and, and all kinds of events. And I, I was charging $5 a show, you know. Okay. Okay. Forty years later, I get like fifteen sometimes. <laughs> so, so it's upgrade, upgrade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did that, and uh, I worked a lot. I, I'm for a kid. Yeah. You know, I I bought a brand new car when I was seventeen. I paid cash for it. Mm-hmm. So that was like a big highlight for me. And then another highlight while I'm still in the Philadelphia area, uh, there was a an old vaudeville theater that these people had bought and restored. It was okay. Great. And they did vaudeville shows, and I was a part of that for. Uh, I think about a three-year period, we'd run like a six-week show, mm-hmm. and I would do maybe a magic spot in the show and a ventriloquist spot, and then they'd shut it down for a while, and then they'd have another show. So that was a great experience. All right. Now, Florida, 19 years old, I came to Florida with my parents and uh, and continued to do shows. I never stopped. Good. Uh, somewhere in late 20s, I got married, and I had my wife in the act doing oh. magic. I stuck swords in her. Okay. And uh, that worked out fine until she got pregnant and didn't fit in the costume anymore. Hmm. But at that same time, I was getting calls all the time to be a ventriloquist. Before that, my act was mostly magic with a little bit of ventriloquism. Okay. So let's say in 30 minutes, I'm doing 20 minutes of magic and 10 minutes of vent. Mm-hmm. Now, I was getting calls to do cruise ships and things like this. Well, they had lots of magicians. They were looking for the ventriloquist. Okay. So it worked out just fine. I can concentrate on the vent act and started working on ships and the Vegas shows and comedy clubs, that first uh, first circuit of comedy clubs that was big in the early 1990s and mm. traveling around. So continued to work doing that. Okay. Now, when I first got wind of you, I... Interesting turn of phrase. <laughs> when I first I shower today. when I when I first discovered or, or found out about you, okay. I understand that uh, you were producing shows out of Delray Beach with a couple of friends. Yes, yes. Um, these were adult comedy and magic nights. They were quite successful until the venue where we were working lost their lease and right and my friends went off and did their own thing so mm-hmm. uh, that was that was uh, for my Pasquale act which I've done right for you that this came later and I guess I should give you an explanation of that please I um, my act was pretty set working mostly as a ventriloquist and I developed a second act and I called a character comedy act mm-hmm I don't want to just be called a comedy magician because 
those there are a lot of those. Mm-hmm. But it's it an act done in character. And the backstory to this, which I think is interesting, is I um, I had a trick I wanted to do. And the trick's not important. It was a stupid trick anyway, but I had always liked it. I wanted to do it. And I was I built the props. And as I was building the props, I'm trying to think of what to say while I'm doing the trick. You think of lines. Now, every magician has a hack line that's, my grandfather used to be a magician, mm-hmm. and he taught me this trick. Well, it's not true. I mean, it's just a line to say. Right. But as I'm doing this trick, I'm thinking the trick, I thought of that line. And I thought, what about my grandfather, one in particular? My one grandfather, my grandparents came from Italy. Okay. And, and my one grandfather was named Pasquale. Okay. And he had, I mean, he was a character. He had mannerisms. He had the accent. He dressed a certain way. And I thought, that could be something. Mm-hmm. So, about the same time, I was involved in a program up in Delray Beach at uh, the Crest Theater, okay. which is part of Old School Square. And it right. was 15 years I was with this program. It was a wonderful program. And what they would do, they would bring in school fourth and fifth graders on a field trip. And they would go to the museum, and they learn about visual arts, and then they would come over to the Crest, and they would learn about performing arts. And hmm. the, man at the, um, the stage manager at the Crest Theater would tell them about the theater and all, and then they would meet a real live performing artist, which was me. Mm-hmm. And I mostly did ventriloquism. But because of the program, I could work in new stuff. It was great. Okay. So the Crest was built in 1925, and I thought, hey, I can do a vaudeville reference. So I said to the kids, I said, well, you know, my grandfather used to be in vaudeville and uh, he toured around and I want to show you part of his act and he didn't got, he was not born here, he was an immigrant, he came from Italy and right now I'm going to take you back in time and introduce you to Pasquale. Okay. And the Tarantella music started and I put the hat on and for the next five minutes I was Pasquale. Pasquale. Okay. And, uh, you know, Buonasera, salve a tutti, I'm so happy for you to see me. And the kid, the, first of all, the trick that was the stupid trick went over great. Okay. Best ever. But what I noticed was the kids liked it, but the adults that were there in the audience, the teachers and the chaperones, they had these huge smiles. They liked this guy, uh-huh. this, this older Italian man. Right. So I thought, hey, this could be a whole act. Hmm. And I went home and I said that to my kids. I said, hey, I'm going to do an act where I play the part of an older Italian man. They said, you're not playing. <laughs> you already are. <laughs> Make it more believable. <laughs> yes, yes. So that act took off, and um, it is very well received. Yes. And uh, anybody that's listening, the website is italianmagician.com. Pasquale mm-hmm. has his own website. And I'm really pleased with the video on there because we did it like a Fellini movie. Yes, I saw that, yes. So if you're listening, go. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, what did you? I oh, won't, let I, me interrupt here. Go my ahead. friends that were doing the show in Del Rey, the Adult Comedy of Magic Night, mm-hmm. I did Pasquale there, and okay. I basically developed the entire act during the run of that show. Right. From the one trick into okay. a full, nearly an hour now. Okay. So what I wanted to ask is that, of course, the venue uh, lost its lease, mm-hmm. but. Was there, I mean, were you, would, would you be or would you think that if you found another venue, would you go back into promoting or producing your own show? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, I am actually working on one right, right now because I'm going to talk about a pet peeve here. 
uh, as far as shows go. And this is definitely in South Florida. I don't know where else this applies, maybe other places, but definitely South Florida. Now, I've been in show business for most of my life. Okay. And done many shows, as I said, on cruise ships in Vegas and blah, 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 touring reviews and everything you can imagine. Right. I always like to say I, I've presented my act in just about any venue you can think of that's appropriate for my act and a whole bunch that weren't. So in South Florida over the last so many years, there has been a movement away from doing actual shows. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about shows with a seated audience that is looking at a stage and engaged with the show. We have got to a point where all anybody wants to hire is what they call atmosphere entertainment. Right. Which is pretty girls in costumes, a stilt walker, and maybe a juggler or something like that. Mm -hmm. To to just stroll around during the event. And they don't pay much. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think they're using entertainment as an afterthought. Event planners today tend to go in there and decorate the room, the ballrooms, and they do these beautiful jobs. They bring in these props, and it looks absolutely gorgeous. And then when it comes to the entertainment part, you know, you're going to have your people come in. They're going to eat. That's fine. What else are they going to do? We'll bring in entertainment. Well, we'll just get a stilt walker and all. Well, that's fine for about two minutes, and they're all looking at, people are all looking at their phone after that because they're right. bored. Right. And then I've been in other situations where they do have a show with me in it hopefully and again it will be an afterthought it will be this big ballroom and they will put the stage down at the far end of the ballroom Mm -hmm. and then have 30 feet of dance floor and then you've got your tables you've got maybe two or three tables by 10 deep right so the people in the back you know they they can't even see Mm -hmm. there's no thought process in in how to produce an actual show so i believe that there is a place for things like that but for like for instance for me my background is in theater mm-hmm. and how I got started, um, excuse me, promoting is that I had to find a space because I couldn't pay for a space. Mm-hmm. So then, of course, we would go into food and beverage establishments that have a stage. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, all they're asking for is for us to bring a following. So then, of course, they can patronize the establishment and we get the stage for free, which is okay in the beginning Mm -hmm. but then of course it becomes ambiance and from a background from where I come from theater is not ambiance we need people to focus on what's going on on stage exactly so I came to a point where I can't do ambiance anymore I want a place where people can pay attention to what's going on on stage, not only invest on what's going on on stage, invest your money, get that Starbucks out of your hand and pay and support the local talent that is here. Because if it's not them, the next time you will see them will probably be at a larger venue where you won't necessarily pay $5. You're going to end up paying more than that. So come see them while they're in the community before they, you know, go off and become, you know, whatever they decide to do at a living wage. I, you know, I understand uh, that, um, you know, times cost, but of course people have to learn their worth. People have to know their worth. True. 
true. And there are times where, of course, you can volunteer your time, but also keep in mind that if you want to do this profession, you got to find a way in order to make ends meet, and you can't do everything for free. That's true. That's true. And so as... first off, I want to say thank you for taking the time out of your schedule in order to um, you know, volunteer for the first assignment that we did. And then, of course, you know, I always believe in loyalty. So in that particular case, we want to find the funding for the people who have worked with us in the past. Sure. So. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. I believe you, you need to support your fellow artists mm -hmm. and go there and pay to go in. Right. <laughs> That's okay. You're supporting them and be happy that they are achieving success. Yes. Um, I just had this similar discussion. Friends of mine had a, a circus that they just started. I heard about that. Circus Kirkus? Yes. And okay. I went to see them and just to support them. And I had a discussion with the one young lady who does the, the aerial silks just about the same thing. That I have friends who, who book these kinds of acts and they will take pictures and post them on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, look at our beautiful aerialist. Mm -hmm. And what they've done is they've taken this woman and they've, they've suspended her from the ceiling in a ballroom during cocktail hour. Hmm. And I look down at the audience, not at the act, but at the audience, and these people are trying to get a drink. They're talking to each other. They're looking on their phone. Nobody's looking up. Right, right. And she's not getting paid a whole lot either. Right. To do it. So mm -hmm. I don't think that's proper. Of course. Of course not. Um, what has been the shadiest booking that you've ever run into? Without mentioning names, of course. Shadiest booking? I try to stay on top of things, so I do get paid. Um, I don't know if I want to talk about that one. Well, it's just only because, of course, we want other artists to steer clear of things that um, that are, uh, you know, Is compromised. That, right. Well, yeah. Never trust an agent, basically. <laughs> That was that was the the moral behind that one. Okay. Uh, that was a very long time ago when I was uh, when I was younger, mm -hmm. and um, uh, the agent did not stick up for me. So right. that was uh, that was on a cruise ship years ago. Uh, no, I have another one which has a happy ending. So uh, let's go with that one. Okay. Okay. Now I work like I said. You know, I told you about I worked in these shows that came out of Las Vegas. They weren't all in Vegas. Sometimes they were touring versions and, and whatnot. But this particular one uh, was in Las Vegas. And um, <clears throat> I had been there before and others, but this one was at the uh, the Imperial Palace, which is now the Link. And the producer, who I will not name, was basically underfunded and uh, inexperienced. Mm -hmm. So a couple of weeks into the show, I think it only ran about two weeks, it closed. Mm. Now, my wife had come out there, and we were looking at houses because we thought maybe this is going to be it, and I'm going to be here more often. So we're, we're looking at it, and then all of a sudden, boom, the show's gone. Well, that was a reality check. And um, I had prior, previous to that, had performed another place over there, and that was now uh, this time owned by Debbie Reynolds. It was Debbie Reynolds' uh, hotel there. Okay. So basically my wife said, well, you know, you got the room still here, and I'm here for 10 days. Let's just do the Vegas thing and, and relax and don't worry about this. So one afternoon, we went over to Debbie Reynolds' hotel, and Debbie wasn't there. 
but she had wonderful displays of dresses and, and things like that from movies. And there was a, a man sitting in the lounge and got to talking to him. And his name was Jimmy Caesar. And he was actually Debbie's opening act mm-hmm. when she was there. And he was a good old-fashioned song and dance man, impressions, all-around entertainer. What a great guy he was. Mm-hmm. And I told him what was happened you know, at the other show, and he commiserated with me. And he said to me, look, he said on, I think it's Wednesday nights, uh, I do a little show here in the lounge. And anybody who's in town comes in, and you can do a spot, and we got a band that people sing songs. You want to do comedy. It was almost like an open mic night, but with all pros. Mm-hmm. He says, why don't you come? He said, oh, I don't know. So we got back to the hotel, and I said, you should go, because you're miserable. Go. <laughs> and I called him at home. He gave me his home number. I called him, and his wife answered, and then he got on the phone. And I said, Jimmy, it's, it's Dan Christopher, and we met the other day. And I hear him talking to his wife. Oh, honey, it's Dan Christopher on the phone. He's this great ventriloquist. He's going to come and be in our show. <laughs> A real promoter. <laughs> so I went, and I, I did the show. And uh, um, interestingly enough, uh, again, Debbie wasn't in town, and in the theater that weekend was going to be um, the Smothers Brothers, and Tommy Smothers came down and emceed the show. Okay. And it was fine. It was fun, you know. And then, uh, like a day later, must well, yeah, it must have been a day and a half later, I get a call with a message from Jimmy Caesar to call him. And apparently, the Smothers Brothers, they had a, a regular opening act that they used all the time. Mm-hmm. And something happened. They got delayed. So Jimmy says, do you want to open for him for a couple nights? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not saying we're best friends or anything. I'm not best friends with Smothers Brothers. They had their own room, dressing room. I had my, but it was great. Okay. It was great. And I, nice little I, turnaround. I, I can say that, you know. It, it was okay. a positive thing at the end. Great. And they great. are great, by the way. Oh, uh, okay. Good. Good, good. So how often do you uh, go back and forth between here and Vegas? I know Vegas has not been for years. Like I said, Vegas has changed considerably. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They don't have those kind of shows anymore. Right. So right. Uh, I go wherever wherever they pay me. So it, it, it varies. Okay. But uh, I, I mostly stay in, in the Florida area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, have you ever had a problem with a trick going wrong or with an act going wrong? Or with a set going wrong? Well, yeah, I've had tricks go wrong. But, you know, I'm not the typical magician that's out there to dazzle and amaze you. I'm more of a comedy act. Right, right. So if it does go wrong, eh. Yeah. Well, we got a joke. Right. You know, that's the, like the Pasquale thing is more about the jokes and the storytelling and all. And the magic's good that I do, but it's secondary. Right, of course, of course. It's, it's more focused on storytelling than anything. True. Hmm. True. Right. Right. And the ventriloquism's all comedy too. So. Yes. And I've never had anything happen like the the dummy falls apart or anything like that. So is it just like one character that you work with, or do you have different characters? Oh, I have different characters, and it depends upon the venue. Uh, when I worked into Vegas shows and for adult shows, I have a a chicken, which is uh, Lucy Leghorn, the world's foulest chicken. <laughs> and it's a great PG thirteen. Okay, it's not bad. So okay, um, DanChristopher dot com. You can see the video. Okay, and uh, and then for family shows and uh, kids and all, I have a more of a traditional dummy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, and I've used a variety of characters over the years. I used to have Elvis. I used to close with Elvis. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, we did that for a while. 
Now, as far as social media goes, because it seems like most people are dependent on social media, how has social media uh, kind of, um, you know, how has how has it affected your marketing game? Because of course you got the website, mm -hmm. but now everybody's like more focused, you know, trailing onto uh, Instagram now. Instagram, yeah, it used to be Facebook. Then used Instagram. to be. <laughs> Um, I, I, I use it quite a bit, uh, you know, I am older, I guess I'm still using Facebook more than Instagram because I'm, again, more of a, a storyteller and mm -hmm. I post jokes constantly because yeah. I write comedy and right. when you get this stuff in your head, <laughs> you have to get it out. Yeah. So, um, not all the jokes that I write are for me, but I still, they're good jokes. So mm -hmm. I'll post it on my on my Facebook page, and everybody seems to like it. Okay. And I try to stay away from the political stuff that people fight about all the time. I try to make my page entertaining. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I post pictures of me doing performances, you know, just to show where I was and that type of thing. So right. it's it's about promotion, mm -hmm. and it's about networking. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to say, all of my, my for instance, my Facebook friends, uh, I think 99% of them are fellow performers or somehow involved in the entertainment industry. Okay. And it's a good way to keep in touch with everybody. Hmm. And uh, this is kind of a somber story on how I got involved with Facebook first was... Um, uh, a friend of mine who is like my idol as far as ventriloquist goes, his name is Sammy King. He's an older man now. He had, he had sent me a, uh, a message. He says, I'm on Facebook. You should be on Facebook. We want to stay in touch. Mm -hmm. And this man, if he tells me to do something, okay, I'm going to do it because he's great. Right. He was one of the greats. And the funny thing is he's not using it anymore. But um, I didn't do anything with it. You okay. know, and, and I looked around. I thought, oh, I know this guy. I know this person. I know this person. So I added some people. But I didn't, I'd look once a month or something. And then uh, five years ago, I lost my wife. It was very sudden. And I decided I was going to post this on Facebook because I knew all these people. But being in show business, sometimes you don't see them for years. Mm -hmm. You're still friends. Right. And I thought I'd just let everybody know in one shot this way, and that way I didn't have to right. go over it again and again. Of course. And I did, and I got such an outpouring of compassion. It was, it was really nice. And then, you know, it was a tough time after that. And I went through a tough time and finally had to get a hold of myself and say, look, you got to get back into this. Yeah. So my very next post, which was like a couple months later, was just a picture of me with a dummy and a picture of Pasquale. And I just said, back to work. Okay. And all of my friends who gave me the compassion were now giving me words of encouragement. Good. So now I thought, well, let me take a look at this thing, this Facebook thing. Mm -hmm. And I realized that as I looked at their posts and the things that they were doing, I could maybe comment on it with a funny line, and that was getting a like, and okay, that's like an applause. Right. So anyway, I've kept it going ever since. And I, I, I go for entertaining. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't try and ruffle feathers. I, I, you know, I, I do political stuff if it's funny, Yeah. but not just to be mean or not just to attack right. other people. Right, of course, of course. So... What would you, and I know that um, you get this um, cliche all the time, but what would you, what advice would you give aspiring uh, magicians or ventriloquists that, you know, want to try this trade, that want to try this business? What pretty much everybody says, do as much stage time as you can. Mm -hmm. Magicians don't do card tricks. Stop that. 
It's <laughs> my biggest pet peeve. They all do card. They, they, they the deck of cards. I could do an hour. Yeah, it seems like that. It seems like longer. Right. Um, because they're fascinated with. It. Think of your audience, and uh, is it entertaining? Mm-hmm. And the way you learn that is by performing. Okay. So anytime you can get on stage, do it. Mm. Uh, going back in time when I wanted to develop my ventriloquist act. I had found uh, one of the comedy clubs had a very good open mic night that was well attended. And I made up my mind. If I wasn't doing a show that week, I would go to the open mic and just do a spot. Well, they liked me there so I could do whatever I wanted and as long as I wanted because mm-hmm. I, had a, I had an act, you know. But uh, do those. Just keep doing it. The more you do it, the better you're going to get. You've got to learn to feed off your audience. You've got to learn about timing. Mm-hmm. And, and reactions and, and, and acting ability. So now that you're a veteran, is there any new things to learn? Is there any any new thing characters to develop now? Or do well, you feel, I, yeah, find yourself set with what you got? Well, I'm happy with the characters that I have, but I always do kind of keep an eye out for something new to develop. Pasquale is a character. Right. Not a puppet, but it's a character that I've developed. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, you know, it, it, it's, you, you always try and do that just to keep yourself interested. But by the same token, take your existing material and hone it. Mm-hmm. And I go back and refer to my friend Sammy King that I mentioned a little while ago. He used to work in the Vegas shows like I did, but prior to me. And he had a 12-minute act, which was perfect. Mm-hmm. And he had done that same act for 50 years before he retired. And people think, oh, he did the same act for 50 years. He must have got bored. Well, I've known Sammy for 25 of those years at least. Mm-hmm. And I've watched him all those years. I saw him for the very first time when I was eight years old. He was on the Merv Griffin show. And that's when I fell in love with his act. And that act has changed very, very subtly. He has honed this thing to perfection. Okay. It has changed. Hmm. And he thinks about every line, every movement and all. And that's what kept it interesting for him. And he's not... Some of the acts you do the same lines night after night, you get stale. He yeah. was never like that, and that's something to avoid. So then you do add current events with whatever you do. I do. I do. If I can throw a current event joke in there, or sometimes a line in the act, we'll play with it. We'll change it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just maybe intonation, or a longer pause, or something, or a different reaction from me. Mm-hmm. Little little things that nobody notices but hopefully it makes it better okay constantly work on it so are there people that actually you know instruct and teach these things like ventriloquism yes there are a uh, a few courses now online that teach ventriloquism and they're very well done Mm -hmm. and it is a good way to start when I was young, of course, the record albums and books in the library. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't see too many books in the library anymore about ventriloquism. Mm-hmm. So you have to do a little search. Maybe you can find them. But there are a couple of online courses that are, uh, as I said, very good. I know the, the gentlemen that, that do them, and they're high quality. And they're not expensive. It's not expensive to learn. But it's, it's not just learning how to talk without moving your lips. It's how to perform on a stage. Yeah. And it's being funny. Right. It's a comedy thing, too. Mm-hmm. Um, the famous ventriloquist Edgar Bergen, who did a show on radio. That's Candace Bergen's dad, right? Exactly. Okay. And he did a show on radio. And later on, people say, well, he moves his lips. 
Well, in the beginning, he did not move his lips. But on radio, you need to enunciate. So he did. And then as he got older, he didn't care. Yeah. But he was a comedy genius hmm. that people don't even realize because he wasn't doing the funny lines. The, you know, the dummy had the funny lines, but right. obviously it, yes. it was him. Right. Because when he first did the radio show, they hired these writers for him. And all the writers came up with, you know, was wood jokes. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that with that. And he had a very successful show for many, many years. People don't, you know, you have to be pretty old to, to, to know about Edgar Bergen, but he had a huge show. Mm. And marketing and, and uh, um, merchandising, I mean, he was only he was second to Mickey Mouse mm. in the day. Okay. He actually lived next door to Walt Disney. Interesting. But Now, go ahead. I forgot where I was going with it. Oh, we were talking about learning ventriloquism. And here, here's a plug. We have a convention. This is weird. <laughs> we have a ventriloquist convention, and it is held in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky. Okay. Which is actually a very nice suburb of Cincinnati, Ohio, right across the river. Mm-hmm. There is a museum there called Vent Haven Museum. And in there are nearly 1,000 ventriloquist dummies that are now retired, mm-hmm. mostly because their ventriloquists have departed. This is where they go. Oh, okay. They've been donated there and dating back hundreds of years. Hmm. It's a very interesting place. And I've been numerous times, of course. And the interesting thing is everybody goes. I mean, Jeff Dunham's there every year. Jay Jeff, we all we all know each other. Right. Okay. And it's a good place to go if you're if you're learning um, or if you're experienced. It's fun. Well, that takes us into another co- topic: cons, like these uh, ventrilo ventrilo cons or uh, sci-fi cons. I mean, do you? Um, go, have you ever cosplayed? I, I think that's the term for it. Pretended I'm somebody else? Well, you did. <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's my act. Come yeah. On. Uh, no, not, not in terms of a convention. Okay. But the convention is, is really, it's, it's the professional ventriloquists go and they, they perform for you. Okay. And then they have lectures okay. to make you a better ventriloquist. And okay. It looks like they're from these pros. Mm-hmm. And I've lectured there too, of course, and performed. Okay. And uh, the museum is fun to go to and just mm-hmm. look at the puppets. And right. That, that's fun. So trying to uh, wrap up here, going back to trying to, you know, get South Florida audiences more, um, get an audience per se as opposed to just being ambiance where do you where where do you find that it kind of got lost is it more like in the tourism is it because the nightlife dominance where do you think that we faltered well that's a deep subject because it used to be, if you went to Miami Beach up and down Collins Avenue, there were numerous shows mm-hmm. in all the hotels. As a matter of fact, for five years, I worked at the Marco Polo in Miami Beach or Sunny Isles Beach in the Ice Show, mm-hmm. which was a Vegas show but done on ice. And I think that was about the last of the shows down there. Okay. The last five years of that show. And they all disappeared. Why? Modern times. Mm-hmm. Right. Your, your phone is a source of entertainment for many people right and like i said some of these events where i see with the girl hanging from the ceiling doing the silks well everybody's looking at their phone yeah yeah the act is up here hmm maybe the 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 business is actually going online i guess and doing 
uh, you know, the videos, but it takes away from the live performance. Right. Attention span, perhaps, people's mm-hmm. attention span. They have right. to check their phone. Mm-hmm. And they don't look happy looking at their phone. <laughs> right. Do you find yourself doing anything else than performing? Or did you find yourself at a place to do anything else than, you know, entertaining? Do you mean... Did I want to change professions? Right. No. Mm-hmm. No. I've always been a performer. Mm-hmm. And um, can't imagine doing anything else. As a matter of fact, the funny thing is when, when uh, I, I told you Jimmy Nelson was in the front row, I said to him, I said, Jimmy, I think every ventriloquist in my age group, you know, uh, you're our inspiration why we're professional ventriloquists today. And I got a nice round of applause. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, without your inspiration, many of us would be stuck in regular, boring, nine-to-five jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, the kind with steady paychecks, benefits, 401K, paid vacation, health insurance. Thanks, Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, DanChristopher.com, ItalianMagician.com, any other websites, any other social media that people can find you? Uh, there's, a, I think there are links on both of those to uh, the Facebook pages for Pasquale and Dan Christopher okay. from those websites. My other, my other side business, if you will call it that, is I uh, have designed and sell a portable PA system that is used by performers because it's something very often overlooked you do need to be heard by your audience yeah and many times when you get to the place they don't have a pa system or it's not one that you can use so i, I designed a really nice little 10 pound unit that goes everywhere and it's an alphavox pa and it's alphavoxaudio.com okay and it's a little self-contained unit with wireless microphones and an mp3 player and a, and a nice 100 watts of power and it, it's a nice little unit so that's my other business which is somewhat related because i do sell to performers but i also sell to schools libraries and meetings and people anybody who needs a little pa system and then also promoters just in case if you decide to book dan please make sure in your writer there's a stool yes only for pasquale only for pasquale all right everything else i'm self-contained okay great great well thank you again for taking the time out in order to do this i really appreciate it And once again, this was Dan Christopher, and this was the Kevin Johnson program. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, we are on anchor.fm forward slash kevjohnpro. Take a listen to the stories of the creatives of South Florida. And as always, don't forget to support your local community. Take care.